Welcome to Spinning Out. I'm your host, Josh Robbins. This is a podcast where we talk to artists about their favorite albums. Today I'm talking with Ruben Polo of the band Soul Glow. Soul Glow released Songs to Eat at the Sun on November 6th, 2020 via Secret Voice Records. Today on the pod we talked about the album Every Night Fireworks by Hey Mercedes. So, if you've listened this far, and you're alive, welcome to 2021. Hope you're having a good week. Even better, hope you got some time off work. So I know we just got out of 2020, but I'll let you in on a secret. This year's going to be weird too. Sorry. Alright, shifting gears. By the way, we just started a Patreon. So go to patreon.com slash spinningoutpod. Pitch in a little bit if you can. We're going to release some content over there soon and try and drop episodes early just for patrons. So check that out. Don't want to hold you any further, so... Alright, here we go with the episode. Are you vegan? Or do you simply enjoy good food delivered straight to your door? And you should probably check out Nourish. Nourish offers culturally diverse, gluten-free, organic vegan food for meal delivery and catering, all while enriching their community, employees, and our planet. If you're in Charlotte, North Carolina, you can find them at nourishcharlotte.com. If you're in the New York area, check out nourishdelivered.nyc. Nourish yourself. You deserve it. When was the first time you remember hearing about this record? Um, so during the Kazaa days, um, I must have been 14 or 15 uh, high school. My dad had just got us like the first like, home computer, like, dial-up modem and everything. And uh, I thought I was downloading a 311 song. And a download, it takes like two days or whatever, <laughs> three days maybe. Uh, put it on and it's uh, the song Let's Go Blue live. And I have no clue what this is. I'm like, it's like, oh man, this song's so like cool. I got like really, I was like, man, this is the craziest 311 song I've ever heard. And then um, finally find out like through, like putting it through another program. I was like, oh, this is not 311 at all. And I was like, all right, I, I like this here Mercedes band. And it would take, it would be like another, I want to say year or two before I actually like get a hold of any like hey Mercedes stuff to like actually listen to it through. I had to like ask a classmate with a good internet connection who like loved being like, I got the best internet. And he would make mixed CDs for you for five bucks. So I would just give him five bucks and I'm like, download this record, <laughs> whatever record this is. And that's like, when that all started for me. Yeah. <laughs> is that right? Yeah, I think about that in terms of, um, you know, like obviously with like Spotify being like a horrible company and whatnot um, and all the streaming services. But um, when I was a kid, essentially if one person bought a record, let's say like Mill and Colin, Life on a Plate, then all of our yeah. friends had that. You know, it was like, <laughs> so sometimes when people are like, uh, people aren't buying records and it's like, I grew up in a trailer. I was never buying 
records. You know, it's like, it's like I would, and then all of my friends had it. You know, it's like if I bought, you know, I would basically look on the back of CDs and um, just see what had the most tracks, you know, for like, you know, bang for my buck. And it'd be like, so it'd be like, guess I'm buying me first and gimme gimme or something, you know. <laughs> and that was kind of before. For me, I know it was pretty much the same, except for like, I had to be able to name more than three songs by a band to be like, all right, I'm going to figure out how to have money to have that CD <laughs> or like yeah. something like, if not, it was like, all right, I can't afford this. Let me hit up the same guy who like burned me the hey Mercedes record. It was just like, he was my, my plug, I guess, yeah. for lack of a better word, like my pusher for music. Cause he was just, whatever I paid him money, he would just, give me a disc with a bunch of songs by whatever band like I'd asked for. Yeah. That's so funny that he would like charge. It was a good word. Yeah. Like that he would charge. Cause I feel like, uh, a lot of my friends, essentially, if you brought them a tape or if you brought them a CD, then they would just do it. You know, the people that, you know, had the better internet connections. So potentially were like, I don't know, richer kids, you know, but that might've been relative, you know, but it was like, so that guy had like, an operation you know like going. oh yeah we were all giving that full money like <laughs> like sometimes we pull together and get like two cds on the one disc and then like trade it off so like we both could burn it to our computers yeah um and just like uh so even thinking about like if you had heard you know you, you heard that hey mercedes song and then so you had to remember that they were called hey mercedes or figure out that they were called hey mercedes then remember to bring that up to a friend and then somehow discover what the name of the album was because you know there wasn't like an easy way to do that so you know it's it's like life will find a way and it did for you to discover like it had to go through so much like evolution for you to eventually get that cd <laughs> you know Thinking back, I was like this, hearing talking back, to, talking back about, it, I'm just like, wow, I really like people are really going through like hoops. <laughs> it's just like, I just want to hear the song again. It's not on the radio. Where is it? Yeah, Surging it's crazy, girls. and maybe it's like just the difference of how things are generally more available. But um, like sometimes when, like one of my friends were like, we don't put any of our music up on Spotify, which I was like cool i respect that but uh they're like it's all of our demos are up on youtube and i'm like honestly i'm not gonna listen to it like you know i'm i'm sorry i'm just not gonna put the work in you know um but you know it's like but it's like how lazy i am with it now for someone you know that still listens to a lot of music like we jump through a lot of hoops like you know to discover new bands Yo, honestly, I don't, uh, funny enough about the whole, like, posting it on, like, YouTube or something else before, like, Spotify or Bandcamp. So the last, the last record we did, not the one that comes out in a couple of days, the last record we did, The Nigga and Me, was actually on our SoundCloud for, like, a smooth year before it got, like, released. Yeah. <laughs> and almost no one even listened to it. And it was funny to me because people were like, when you got new music coming out, and I'm just like, bro, it's been there the whole time. Like, <laughs> just just go to SoundCloud. You can listen to it all right now. And almost no one did, and we just kept laughing about it for a while. Yeah, it's it's such a the actually. I feel like if someone were to tell me something is on SoundCloud, I'm more apt to listen to it. But only, there's like such a silly reason. It's like 
when I'm listening to something on YouTube, like if my screen locks like on my phone, then I'm no longer listening to it. Like for a long time, one of Cro-Mag's best wishes was only on YouTube. So I feel like I'd get in the middle of the first song and be like, I'm not listening to this anymore because I'm not going to like, you know, just keep checking my phone. <laughs> so I have things to do. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, just, uh, yeah. And so I guess like when you finally got around to checking out uh, the album, like, do you remember the things I like to kind of recall with these, like, were you familiar with Braid or like, what did you think about this band or was it just a bubble of this is Hey Mercedes, I know nothing else? So I definitely grew up on, I didn't grow up with any basis in rock. Like my dad, I grew up mainly with my dad and my grandparents. Um, my dad listened to almost consistently like R&B, hip hop, uh, salsa, merengue, like a lot of Spanish music. Um, and the rare times I'd be at my mom's house, they'd be like, that's where I heard Wu-Tang for the first time. My, my uncles were playing it and like, but it was never rock based. Um, so it took like sitting in the car with my grandpa to hear like Bush and stuff like that. But I was already like 10 or 11 and like I had no concept of anything more underground much or less anything older. So I I heard Hey Mercedes years before I'd hear Braid or know who Braid was or like even like fully get even concerned with that. It took finding more people who were like into that type of stuff to like get more history and then eventually access to the internet. Um, so it was just kind of like, it was just a bubble. I'd heard one other band that would even be considered in that same genre class at that point in life. It was, uh, what ended up being Dude From Into It Over It's, uh, old band, The Progress. Oh yeah. yeah. And before they were called The Progress, they were called like J.A.R. Yeah. I saw them at a DIY venue when I was in like high school and I didn't know what DIY was. I just knew that there was this little hole in the wall place next to a bowling alley one town back that like did concerts small concerts and like people like took me there and that's how i found out about like diy and other genres of music so like i had no basis for hey mercedes i just was like this sounds really cool i would like to find more things that sound cool like this yeah i feel and like they were. yeah um yeah well thinking about them specifically it's like um they could have been like the progress i guess could have been like just a band that you saw you didn't even recall their name and then you could have heard into it over i feel like just i'm kind of saying like how i picked up on things like like we had a lot of like christian like metalcore bands in north carolina where where i grew up and still live but um in wilmington north carolina there was like a specific christian club so I think some of the bands that played there weren't always Christian. They just didn't say otherwise, you know? And so it's like, I can't even remember some of those bands' names. And those people might be in cool bands, cooler bands now. And I wouldn't know. Like, there wasn't, like, a lot of way to, like, find out. It was just, I went to this place, you know? <laughs> so. I mean, same, like, I remember. I could name a bunch of bands from that period in time, but I couldn't tell you if any of them went to do anything later. Cause by the time I would have the access to even look for it, it had been like seven years. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I just couldn't remember anybody. I'll, I, the only reason I remember J.A.R. was because it was distinctly like the first emo band. <laughs> so like 
I didn't even know that they became the progress until uh, I got up when they were like breaking up. Like I found one of their CDs at a store and one of the songs that they played that was on that record, they'd been playing for like almost a decade. It was a song called Christmas Eve. Like I heard that song when I was 13 and they were under a different name. Like that's how long that song had existed. And that's how I like put two and two together. Yeah. <laughs> Never and- known up. Was was this in like around Philly or where did you grow up around? I'm from, I was born and most of, most of the way raised in Newark, New Jersey, Newark. And I went to high school in Union, New Jersey. That club was in a town called Roosevelt Park that was like one or two like towns behind it. And yeah, so like I did Jersey up until... Right before I turned 18, because I was a freshman in college, I was 17 at like community college for the one semester, and then I moved to Philly. But it's funny to think that like kind of discovering Hey Mercedes kind of outside of Braid, because I think that that is potentially a better, like I I love both bands, but like I think it's almost a better way to discover it because I think like people that are older than me that like Braid a lot, there's almost, even if they like Hey Mercedes, they're almost like this is their sellout band, which is so silly, you know, in context, but they have. I never, I never understood that when I got, when I finally got to meeting people who were like, oh, you like Hey Mercedes? Like, Braid is better. And I'm just like, I mean, in what way? Like, it's just, they're, there's so deep similarities. It's just like, this one is a little bit more like cleaned up. <laughs> and that's really all it was, which is like, very clean like almost polished version of braid and i was like these hooks go hard <laughs> like yeah like, hooks and the way he wrote that like everything about all of here mercedes discography to me is like mint it's untouchable like, it is by far like one of my like i just love it all <laughs> i can't say that about many bands but definitely them yeah i think it's also like an if if you were to kind of introduce someone to let's say the Bob Nanosphere, you know, then it's probably easier to introduce like younger people to Hey Mercedes because there's a little bit of a barrier to entry with Braid because the recording, I mean, except for like the new Braid records, but um, like even Framing Canvas, like it's, you know, a little harder to listen to. Like I love that record, but it's, uh, it's not, it's not the recording quality of this. Yeah. I mean, I also think, like, if you, most people I feel like would be like, oh, you've got to start with a dozen roses or New Nathan Detroit, so if you're going to go, like, Framing Canvas, Braid Era. And I'm just like, those two are, like, cool songs, but, like, I don't think either of them, like, have as nice of a hit and walk up as, like, Frowning of Lifetime. Yeah. Like, that first Hammer's track was, like, it just comes and just, like, the first song on each recorder was always just, like, perfect intros where like i think braid was like a little bit more rough around the edges definitely it's pretty much the same band minus one sub and another yeah and uh, even when you kind of compare like the new new west braid record like to hey mercedes like it's like the difference is i don't know chris broach like that's like because they're they're doing the same thing that hey mercedes were doing now so they really just morphed into like one band so sometimes I think about it in in comparison to like Jawbreaker and Jesse Brazil. Um, and, you know, it's like, 
uh, th- there is like a difference there, like sonically, but uh, there's not a huge difference to me with Braid and Hey Mercedes um, because I feel like they eventually got there with Braid anyway. It's like to the same place. You know? Yeah, I'll agree so, with that. Definitely. Yeah, like, but Jess Rizal like still is like a different trip than you know Jawbreaker. Seems like they're you know trying to do like Bob Nana. I feel like can't like help but kind of write songs in these this way, you know, like it's... You, have you kept up with, like, what he's been doing, like, since, like, his other bands after, like, Hey Mercedes? Um, I mean, I guess Braid and then some of... uh, Well, he did that... Was He was in There, There, There's. Um, uh, he was in a... He was in a band called Certain People I Know, which was, like, pretty much the same lineup as the other two, like... Same drummer, and I want to say same bass player, uh-huh. but like they added a, they added a keyboard player who like did some vocals too, and she was like, it still kind of sounded like him Mercedes to a degree, at least to me. Yeah. And then like he had the, he had a math rock band with one of the dudes from there there there. Uh, I booked them. Why can I not remember their name? But it was like. The guitar player from there, there, there. Uh, drummer was this dude, Seth, who does options. And, like, Bob Nana just was a standalone. Uh-huh. And even in that band, we're like, it doesn't sound like any of the other two because of his voice and the way he sings things. It's so even then was like, it all kind of ties back to, like, these very poppy roots that I think could have started with Bray, but, like, for me, it always, all of his projects always come back to Hey Mercedes. Yeah. But yeah, he has a new solo album out and he did like uh, City on Film. Um, but yeah. I feel like anything where it's like upbeat, he can't escape what he what he's done. <laughs> like most of his solo stuff, I still like it have it has its own like feel and definitely not the same, but like anything he's done with like a full band always just goes back to it for me. I'm just like, maybe I'm just biased. Or maybe I just wanted Hey Mercedes to be a normal band again. <laughs> and not yeah. like the reunion circuit. Yeah, I almost, I guess it's like, I am I feel like I'm more of a Braid person, but also feel like it's like, you know, Braid could play some Hey Mercedes songs. Like, so it's like, I still want more Hey Mercedes, but, you know, I guess you're like, can it just be Hey Mercedes again? I'm like, can they just assume Hey Mercedes into whatever he wants to call it? I just want to hear those songs again, you know? <laughs> So, yeah. Um, I wonder, wonder if Blake, Blake Schwartz and Bob will go through that problem as the years progress. Well, I, I almost like hope so because, um, like, I don't know if you ended up seeing them, but they were doing the, um, well, I guess I'm making a a very different reference. Uh, so government, government issue when they reunited, they were doing like their early punk stuff. And uh, my point of bringing that up is like everyone always seems like they want to go back to like that first thing. And I'm like, give me your mid period. Cause that's like some of my favorite stuff. Like my favorite government issue stuff was when they were just like a rock band. Like, and so it's like, don't go to your punk, <laughs> like go to that kind of mid space. Yeah. You know, I never hear anyone say that generally. I think that's actually kind of cool. <laughs> like I've never hear anyone be like, Nah, man, I want that mid period of the band. Everyone's just always like, nah, man, the early stuff would fuck off. Like, yeah, that's like, actually pretty cool. Yeah, early like gov- I don't know how versed in like government issue are you are, but 
like early government issue is just like just straightforward punk like and it, it's like just straight actually they would probably just agree any of the surviving members it's like they were children when they wrote the music so like the legless bull ep is just children you know so it's like when people want like 50 year old dudes to go back to music they wrote it when they were 16 is like weird to me <laughs> I definitely think that that is a, I feel like that is definitely a genre based thing. Like we, we all want to see the youthful explosion of like a band's early stuff, but it's like hard to be like, you're asking this of like people who have kids probably that are old as old as when they wrote the records that we're asking for. Yeah. I'd rather see like actual children do their version of government issue than government issue do their version of early government issue or what you can kind of, sub in any band and the and i guess bring it back to what you mentioned about like blake it's like totally understand that jawbreaker is going to be the one that's going to bring people to the seat so as a person that's not super young it's like great you know i totally understand it like you know but i don't think it's like i don't i don't know why people aren't asking for jets brazil because i would prefer that you know but i'm not knocking like jawbreaker i feel bad because i feel like the attendance for that would drop like over half. The only way he would be able to get a good enough crowd for both would be like, we're touring together. <laughs> it's double duty Blake night. And he, he used to do that. He remember, do you remember that period of time where he did shows where he was like four different people doing like, he was doing like marathon nights. Like he would do a rap set, <laughs> a DJ set, some acoustic songs and another alias. It was like four different aliases for one night. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it was like yeah. a very short-lived period of time for that dude. <laughs> but I still uh, remember like seeing the fight. I was just like, I don't know if I want to see him now. I, I think I'm all right. To. I'm glad that I don't know that it exists. Like I, you know, it's like, you know, I guess if it were like popping for him, then it's, it still like goes back to if that's working for you, man, at this point in my life, I totally understand it. But, you know, I, I don't think it was popping off or anything for Blake. <laughs> Who, I mean, they, he didn't revive those ultra egos yet. So not sure. Yeah. Maybe yeah. we have been in a pandemic. People might be, you know, looking for those old rhymes. yeah, I, we played with, uh, uh, with forgetters at like this place, like essentially outside of Charlotte, there's this town called Gastonia. Like essentially you could say like any major city, sort of the weird town right outside of it is what the equivalent is. So there was like this juggalo ran mini golf place where this guy was booking shows. Cause it was kind of weird. It was like blacklight mini golf haunted house place. And he built a stage there and we ended up playing with like the men and ceremony and forgetters. But that specific show with Forgetters, um, either someone pulled the fire alarm or the fire alarm went off, and they had it, it was in the middle of the Forgetters set. And I feel like the look on Blake's face, like when they were outside waiting, was like, "Can I just go?" Like, and I felt so bad. Like it was like I had had pulled the fire alarm. Like it was just like. I'm sorry, man. Like I even sent him like an apology email that, but it, it's like, wasn't my fault. It was just like, dude, yeah. You look so bummed. I'm sorry. Yeah. It was just like, I apologize for the state of North Carolina and I guess fire alarms everywhere. Like, it's just like, you know, he shouldn't have to do that at this point. Like the whole process. And also the 
promoter guy um, didn't tell us till the day of that they wanted monitors because essentially what we would do is just bring this PA. Like um, the guy would kind of like go like, well, I think we'll have the stage built by then. And then we get there and then it's just like two by fours, you know, and it's, I mean, all stages are, but it was like, you could, it wasn't a stage yet, (laughs) you know? And um, I think for that show, the stage wasn't even built yet, but it was like, they wanted (laughs) monitors and uh, we brought these speakers, but then the speakers we brought, since they were more than the speakers we had, were all blown. So (laughs) it was just like, we were like, I'm so sorry. Like, I wish we had more information, like, but I feel so bad. Like, you know, I guess getting back to like, I know Bob Nana probably has had like these situations like even more. <laughs> so that math rock band that he did, uh, <laughs> they played out of batting cages in Philly. Yeah. And we're like, that place doesn't exist anymore. Shout out to everybody is. But uh, I remember him coming through and I was just like, sorry, man. Like, this is like what we got. And he was like, Oh no, that's fine. He's just like we had like one little monitor for him, and like like the speakers were good. The PA was loud enough, but it was just kind of like it was like there was no stage. It was definitely on the floor of this batting cage, and like a decent amount of people came out, and he was just like really chill about it. He just like I was scared that he was gonna be like I fucking hate this. Like why am I here? And he was just like No, this is great. Sounds awesome. It just like continued on. I'm like bless Bob now. Um, no, no, no. Any, any situation like that where someone tells me a story of like their hero, I guess, you know, kind of like someone they looked up to growing up, like they're like, man, we were at a show and he said he needed this and that's like, when I was younger, I feel like I'd be like, that sucks. But now, like, after doing like a good amount of touring, it's like, if you show up and there's like a Radio Shack microphone, you know, like that has like a tiny cord, it's like, there was a tiny bit of work you could have done to make this okay. And you didn't do it. So it's like, I understand like, you know, Bob Nana needs to yell at me for me to get my shit together. You know, then, you know, I, and, and now at my age, like I get it, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> not saying to yell at anybody cool. at the batting cage place. Oh no. I mean the batting cage is like, it was some really cool acts came through there and they definitely like had enough. There was only like, there was a couple of times like before there was able to money be pulled that like, there were some rough nights. Like I definitely had seen an act like the band before the headliner, like spike the fucking microphone. And then like the last act has like, it's just yelling into that like ether, like with no, with nothing else. But like, that was not all the time. And, you know, sometimes I think people sometimes just need to like pull it up to like, if you, you know who you're bringing by, like if you can do better or borrow something or like whatever, like it's always helpful. Yeah. But this, other times. This, yeah. Yeah. This specific promoter was like kind of notorious um, for just like I, a lot of times he just wouldn't really give you the info info you needed beforehand and you would show up and be like do you have more speakers and you didn't tell me i needed more speakers like would have gladly borrowed some you know but yeah i I don't feel like i remember those situations with like the batting cages like i always wanted to play there and you know but there is a little bit like you do have to kind of go i am playing at batting cages there you know there's a thing it's like i am playing at a haunted mill you know (laughs) like so it's like 
I have to sort of know that something might happen. And I, I think they do, but it's like, you don't want it to be the worst version of that. But you know, you have to be like, I am in fact playing this kind of space. Yeah. So. I mean, it's definitely different over from like time period. Like I know that 10 years ago, like I would have just looked at whatever piece of paper. And so it was like, you're going here. And I'd be like, I don't know what that is. Hope for the best. And now like more so in today's day and age, it's like, you could look at something and be like, I could send about 10 messages and get the lowdown on everything I need to know about this place. Like if I feel uncomfortable <laughs> or like, I'm just yeah. like, this is going to be bad. And then after a while, we just started bringing our own PA. Yeah, I definitely try and like bring backup mics and stuff and like cables because it's like there's, you know, especially in like, uh, it's probably the same with like Soul Glow. Um, you know, since you have, like, if you have like even more than one singer in the band or anything, like, it's like you have to kind of like make sure because people usually just go, we have one mic, you know, and that's kind of all you can expect when, you know, you're not playing whatever size place. Uh, but when we played this place in, I don't, I don't know what town it was. It might've been Ohio. Who knows? Uh, but it was like a house space. And uh, they were like, Hey, before the show, they were like, don't flush the toilet upstairs. And we were like, okay, cool. Weird request. During our set or either, there might've been the band before us. Someone did. And the show was in the basement and like, just like shit water came out in the house, like well, in the basement, just kind of, just and it's just like this isn't something i should have had to deal with (laughs) you know that's not that's not a variable i expect even in like the weirdest situations yeah so yeah i don't think anyone ever expects shit water when when they're supposed to play no but there was actually i guess like for myself bringing it back to (laughs) fucking hey mercedes um there was, there's like a specific song on this record and I'm blanking on what it was, but um, it's like songs that are kind of like about, uh, they have like, Bob Nana has certain songs on this album that are basically about being in Braid, you know, and kind of like how much shit they had to like deal with, you know. Fair. Yeah. And I, it might be quit um, or like what you're up against, or it might be all of the songs, you know, <laughs> I'm, you know, but there, there seems to be a little bit of that. Our weekend starts on Wednesday. Like it could be. <laughs> nah, he don't. Yeah. He don't. He has some songs there. They're just like, you just was like, all right, I had a little rough, <laughs> but like this record also has like some decent, like, uplifting bangers like I can't front K Shiraz kind of sounds sad to me as well yeah but like having been this happy is like at least sounds more uplifting than generally like half of Braid's discography yeah I was sure like I need to like get down deeper into like the lyrics like I know the it's to the point where like I know the words idiosyncratically like if I hear the song I'll just start singing them but if I had to like sit here and like think about the words like one by one, I can't. That's what that's it's a what very weird thing. About. Yeah, I feel like a lot of times with this podcast, uh, you know, I I'm the same way with, with lyrics, and it's like it's 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 like I don't know what it is. Like I write lyrics for you know my band and everything, and I I care about lyrics, but like when I'm processing something, 
it doesn't seem to be, you know, there's times when I'm listening to a song and then like my wife will be like, do you know what this song's about? And I'm like, no, the, I know what the hook says, you know, but that could be kind of one of those things where it almost like kind of switches up the idea on you. So then I'm just like singing that. And then she's like, that's about like a dog dying or something, you know? And then I'm like, Oh shit, I didn't know, you know, like, you know, but, but like, I don't, yeah, I'm not like a lyrics first person. And I don't know what that is or means about me. I mean, I feel like, so in your band, would you say you are vocals first or instrument first? Um, it kind of is a lot of times lately. Um, a lot, of, I mean, some of it has to do with pandemic and like how we're writing separately, but um, we don't, we don't get as much time to practice as I would, I would like. And so it's like hard. We used to kind of like jam more during practice, I guess would be the word I hate to use. And so now we kind of sit there and try and like flesh out ideas. So to answer your question, like it's, it's almost like both at the same time. It's like, I'll really sit there like singer songwriter kind of thing and think of melodies that kind of fit it. So they're kind of happening simultaneously. Um, you know, but I don't, I don't often just like sit with a pad of paper and like have sort of a poem esque thing that hits my ears. And then I start writing a song off of that. So it's, it's in tandem to kind of answer that. I think for a lot of people I know, like who play, or at least people I've spoken to who like play instruments and do vocals, they tend to like, some of them are just strictly music first. Mm-hmm. Cause like, when I first hear music, I think of, I hear vocals as like another instrument. Yeah. I don't ever think about what they're saying at first. If I like it enough, then I'm like, let me just make sure this shit ain't racist or some fucked up. Yeah. And like, then I'll go back and like read the lyrics because I've heard it enough times to be like, this is pleasing to my ears. Before I go that extra step, what you're saying? And then like, fully go from there. So like, I look, that's why for me, I never... I never know the lyrics that I've already learned the entire like vocal melody, but I did, like don't know what they're saying. I just know it as a vocal melody, and I just yeah. know that it's not fucked for the most part. Yeah, yeah. And, like I feel like I mean I listened to a lot of metal when I was younger, like, um, and so vocals are purely you know even like a lot of you know just hardcore. It's like for things that are not enunciated, like, I don't know what the fuck someone said at MK ultra, you know, or, you know, you know, I can look into it and it's probably really important. And I get that limp wrist stuff is you know, limp wrist. You can kind of understand, but like, you know, some of that stuff really, we could throw anything into it. Like, yeah, I don't know what the fuck spaz are talking about. Yeah. You know, so, so a lot of that, it's like, <laughs> it's probably about like comic books or like, <laughs> You know, who who knows? Or like, it's almost like an inside joke about like uh, California scene politics. So it's like, I don't need to know. But let's say spaz. It's like, it's totally an aesthetic or it's like, it sounds cool. You know, so it's like, if the vocals sound cool or the melody sounds cool, I'm going to pay attention to that. So I agree. Like, I think it's even when I'm writing it, you know, uh, it's like an instrument to me. Like I'm adding another layer to it. You know, I hope that I don't write shitty lyrics, you know, <laughs> that's not my intention, you know, so, but it's not like I have this poignant thing. It's like, hopefully it becomes a poignant thing. Yeah. So. It's, yeah. I mean, that's always the weird part. Like, I think that's why I'm, I'm happy to, I'm happy that, and at least in so well, like 
Pierce writes all the lyrics. He does help write some music because, like, he's a better, he's an incredible musician. He can play bass and drum very well. But, like, he'll come in and be like, I think I got a song written. And I'm thinking he's about to be like, I have all these lyrics. And it's just like, I got this bass line. And it's just like, like, this, like, crazy thing. I'm just like, oh, so what are you going to say? He goes, oh, I don't have a word written. And then, like, six months later, he'll send me, like, something like that long and <laughs> be like, those lyrics i'm just like how did you you all right yeah i miss that so much about like being in bands like i wasn't always someone that played instruments in bands like i only really started playing bass because i wanted to stop just being the singer um because it just felt like there were points like i I, you know i've been playing long enough i should be better than i am but that's not the point i'm making you know uh so like I was just like the singer in like fast punk and hardcore bands or like metal bands and whatnot. And then was just like, eventually started being like, play this bass part, you know, and I'll figure out what I'll sing. And then eventually I was like, I should probably be a bassist. And then I can sort of control that a tiny bit more or make sure my band's writing, you know? And so as someone that has done that, where I've written a lot of lyrics and then I kind of have to like figure out how they'll fit you know, and everything, I totally understand, I guess, what Pierce can do. Like when you're not kind of, when you're not tied to your instrument, or at least me personally, not being like the best musician, it's like you are sort of tied in tandem with whatever you're writing. Um, So it's freeing sometimes. Like I think you can do really cool things as like the vocalist and write big passages and you don't have to give a shit about like what the guitarist is doing to a degree, you know, as long as it fits. So I'm saying I miss that a lot, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but it also makes it really weird that I, you know, I'm saying that, you know, sometimes I don't listen to lyrics first because I'm someone that was just a vocalist for many years in these bands. Yeah. Do you think you, you used to care about lyrics more back then, or do you think it's just the same? I I think mainly it's, I think it's the same because like there's this, uh, well, I know kind of the weirdness that goes along with even mentioning the Melvins now, but I think about this, like uh, this quote from them. Someone was like, what did you mean when you wrote this to, I don't know, Buzzo? Buzzo? And he was, I don't know. It just sounded cool. Like that was like, and so, like, sometimes it's, like, even when you think about things like Nirvana, it's, like, they're dumbass lyrics that sound cool sometimes, you know? It's, like, and that's that's fine. Like, I'm not hating on that because that can be really fucking cool sometimes. It worked out you for know? many in the past. <laughs> yeah, it's, like, you can kind of make it cool by how you say it sometimes, you know? Uh, What's up? You know, that I don't think that's you know i don't think that's how bob nana really operates i really feel like he tries to like say something and his i would like to think that but he's one of the few people where i'll just go on record to say i don't care i love it yeah. regardless <laughs> like yeah. even if he was saying nothing and he's just making a bunch of really cool sounding sentences i'd be like <laughs> yeah you dig <laughs> yeah do you do you listen to super chunk I will say that that is a band that I've started trying out this past year on like my goal to f- go back into older bands that like I never knew about <laughs> just to try yeah. to like learn the history of some of the genres I listen to. Yeah, if I can I can send you some recommendations of it depending on what you've already listened to but um 
I, I don't think they necessarily write the same as vocalist. Uh, Mac from Mac from Superchunk writes lyrics in a way that I'm like, I have no clue what you're talking about. Like he'll put words like baby teeth, like, or like he, they have a song about wanting a big hawk to take him away from like whatever he's doing at that moment and just like take him back home. But so, <laughs> like, hello hawk, come pick me up. And it's like, it's probably just about like, you know, not wanting to be somewhere and then wanting to leave. But the way he's able to tell it, it's like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about or where you got this from. You know, so I agree with you. Like, just straight up thumbs up. Like, sounds cool, man. <laughs> I'll take it. Like, it, the melody's really dope. You killed it. <laughs> cool, fuck it. Yeah. I, I mainly listen to Foolish and Here's what the strings, Here's Where the Strings Come In. Those are the two I've listened to the most of Super Chunk. I haven't really like delved too much deeper besides those two records. Yeah, Foolish, I, I like Foolish a lot. Uh, it, it's probably not one that I would recommend to people that hadn't really heard them because I think it is, it's like straight, it might be like their third or fourth album. So it's got a lot of third or fourth album vibes to it. Like it's not afraid to go slower. Um, I think a good one to check out if you haven't is there what I guess it's like a reunion record since they didn't put out records for close to 10 years. Uh, Majesty Shredding is like a good overall record. Yeah, it's you one I'd highly Majesty Shredding. Oh, yeah. that's, all right, that's it. Yeah, because it's got upbeat, but it's it doesn't do that thing like I was saying with Government Issue where it's like we only want to be a punk band, but it 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 allows itself to go, you know, dynamics. That's the term. Yeah, I mean, I will. I'm happy to the things that I, that I like that I've done the reunion records or like the comeback records have been like kind of cool. Like the Small Brown Bike record when they came back was really good. Yeah. Like it sounded like it just grew up and just like still doing Small Brown Bike, but like it definitely had like a little bit of like I don't want to say maturity because that word sounds ridiculous half the time. Being like yeah. music's poor, but like to me but it's just like well written it's like the punk parts are like a little bit like cleaned up and like they know what they're going for better it sounds like so that was another like speaking of like comeback records or like that was probably like one of my favorites i'm highly excited to see where this goes what uh what was what was the name of that comeback record uh small brown bike one fell and found i want to say oh okay yeah 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 um, I also think about, did you listen to the Jazz June reunion record? I heard a couple songs. I did not, I liked it. I just, for some reason, just never, I forgot and like didn't go back. Yeah. It sounds like one of those records where it's like, we're not even going to try and be like the same type of band we were to a degree. I mean, it's like the same people. But um, Braid kind of did the same thing where it's like, um, I don't think they always try and just hit on like what braid did you know they're 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 they don't have to be all like syncopated for the sake of it it's like cool with being a little bit more straightforward and um you know just like kind of settling into it and kind of a more proper where i would expect them to be like probably musically at that point you know the jazz junior record a lot of those reunion records when they're better i think they just kind of go this is who we are now you, I feel like you can kind of maybe hear who's been pl- who's like still been playing. 
Yeah. Like, I think that Braid record, like that Braid comeback record, I did enjoy it, but I think it was mainly because almost everyone was still playing this entire time. Yeah. <laughs> These were in other projects, but like, for the most part, like, I want to say, like, at least half that band was, like, still going pretty hard for, like, the last few years, or at least still making music and releasing it. That's what I think about, like, when there's, like, New York hardcore bands that kind of, like, get back together that essentially release, like, a 7-inch, like, 30 years ago, you know, it's like, don't do that, man. Like, it's like Antidote got back together, and it's like, don't. <laughs> like, like those are those are things where it's like, and I don't really know. They could have just been super active in other bands, but it's like, I can't easily point to it, so I don't, I don't know about this, you know. And then they're gonna try and capture like Antidote from whatever year that was, you know. And it's like that's not a good idea. Yeah, yeah. It is sometimes weird for some people. Like I think was Drop Dead. Uh, I can't remember. Drop Dead was the one that was like took a long period of time off, and then like just kind of came back. Like nothing changed. Yeah. And it sounded decent. Yeah, I feel like. like I, I mean, I I guess I might have just Drop Dead's like a weird band. Like I have a really positive thoughts of them just because I've been like fortunate to see them live a few times and they are really good live. So it kind of like paints the recordings different. Uh, for me, I, I mean, I listened to that new record like once the new drop dead record, but that's not uncommon for like every time I listen to anything drop dead. Cause it all kind of sounds similar. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, but that could also be like my ears at this point in my life, you know. So it's yeah, I don't feel like I'm picking up on like the differences uh, you know, as compared to I don't know, we'll say Hey Mercedes. So I keep saying it so people realize this is a Hey Mercedes episode. Um uh, it's hard for me to like even like, even going back to that just going track by track. It's like at this time frame, it's like if you want to hear this record you can do it. Like, I don't need to like break it apart for someone, you know, I'm more interested in like, you know, personally, like what we're doing and like, kind of like what it makes you think of kind of outside of it or like where you were when you heard it, then like, you know, the bridge at this part and, you know, uh, haven't been this happy, you know, it's like, go listen to the bridge, bro. <laughs> this, that record, that's, I think it's still, I think if that record would have got released even like like this year on like Top Shelf, I would have, I would have been just as like hyped on it as if like when it came out originally. Like I think it still sounds. I don't think it sounds as dated as like a lot of other older like emo indie acts like records. Like I think that like the production still holds up. I think the songwriting still definitely holds up for like a lot of current bands. If anything, it's it's. It's like just as pop. It might be a little bit popular than what normally comes down the pike now, only to a degree. Mm-hmm. Just because like a lot of emo to me, just like they don't do hooks as much. Yeah, <laughs> like that was a big thing. It was just like that record. The Hammer's record is hooks. Like they'll get stuck in your head. Like big, like solid, like singalongs. Whereas like there's still singalongs in current day emo and stuff like that. But it's like. I don't think as many bands go for like the chorus anymore. 
Yeah. And I feel like anytime I bring this up, I feel like cautious because I feel like someone's just going to go like, listen to my band and be like, your hooks are trash too, but you know, or something, it's like, like personally, it's like, I feel like like, I got to, yeah, but it's like, it's like, okay, this is what I think is sometimes the issue with bands that are almost doing a different generation of what they felt like. And not even to like, to name names. It's like the main purpose I feel like a lot of bands have now is they really want to kind of capture a vibe you know, it's like they want to have the same equipment or they want to have the same tones and that stuff is cool. But, you know, it's like to think about like and break apart like what made these songs what they are or just or just basically just being like, I want to write a memorable, memorable song. I don't necessarily need to worry about like what genre it's going to fit into, you know, but it's like it's like I try and think with songwriting, like almost like a hook first, you know, since I'm writing music in that kind of vein, Um, you know, so yeah, I don't, I don't get the feeling or maybe I haven't spent a lot of time with some of these bands I'm thinking of, but I don't get the feeling that that's like the case. Like people do seem afraid of hooks, you know? I feel like a lot of from at least like traveling around when I did play music more in that vein, like, the one thing I always noticed was that it felt like the guitar line was the hook for some of these bands. And that's a very interesting concept to me, especially like of the twinkly era kind of stuff. It's like people could hum you a guitar line, which not the most common, like was not the most common thing to me back in the day, but it was just like, you know, you hear a band and all of a sudden, like, oh yeah, like that band in it, like American football, never met. Yeah for the longest time, like, everyone could hum that guitar line to me. But that song wasn't really a hooky song. Yeah. But, like, you, everyone knew that one guitar line, and I think that, like, that shows the influence of at least that band on, like, a big generation. Just being, like, these, a lot of kids would be, like, they'd write things that sound catchy, but it wasn't, like, a big repeating except the one guitar line that they would be, like, always showcasing, like, no one sings during it. Just, like, the big twinkle, like, get stuck in your head thing which is, I think, an interesting substitution for a hook. Well, that's, that's, that's interesting because this is, you know, I always keep doing that like out of my body thing, referencing us talking on the, but this is kind of where I wanted the conversation to go in that um, I think it's interesting that I feel like American football has completely shaped uh, the kind of current state of that type of, you know, emo, we'll say. Um, while I don't know why there aren't more bands doing even like uh promise ring or, you know, Hey Mercedes, like those are hooky bands. Those are bands that are like, they were trying to do their version of like power pop in a way, you know, just through like a punk emo filter. And that's like, you know, no offense to American football. They, you know, they're not going to be hurting if I <laughs> disparage them a tiny bit, you know, it's like, it's like, it's fine. Like I like American football, you know, and all that stuff, but it's like, I want hooks too. Like, I know we're just going to keep repeating that. It's like, it's like, I want to feel like it. I'm remembering the song, not just for the guitar line. And there's a place for that kind of thing, but it's like, I guess I'm just agreeing with you. Like, you know, it's like more hooks, please. <laughs> but you brought up the promise rings. I think the promise ring was a band that started out a and went B. Yeah. Cause that like, so uh, nothing feels good. And like, even like some of the EPs with like, a picture postcard were like still 
kind of hooky, but like it was still like a lot of the riff for some of those songs. Not every song, but like they were like in a weird middle ground between like having songs where the guitar definitely like served the purpose of like the hook, and then other songs like Davey Von Bowen was just like, here's my chorus. And I think by like very emergency, he was just like, nah, bro, here's these hooks. Every hook, every song, big hook. And uh, I think that the problem, I think what honestly is kind of a funny thing was, at least in my head, is a lot of bands like Hey Mercedes, Promise Ring, um, that whole era of like really poppy, pop, like pop emo that kind of like, depending on who you talk to, we get considered into the pop punk category. Mm-hmm. Versus like other things, I think that's like what kind of did it. Because like the mid 90s, late 90s, early 2000s, like all those teen movies like always would use like the promise ring you could have told me that any song from very emergency was in the background of some goddamn like 90s 2000s like teen movie yeah and i think that like people just like always like oh that's pop music like that's not like diy emo and it's like yeah you're wrong but like i can see like how that could switch and i think more pop punk bands took from those artists at least older pop punk took a lot more from those artists than like traditional indie or emo yeah yeah it's it's weird it's almost like they were in a weird spot um with it's like hey mercedes or bands and that that kind of lane i guess just kind of throwing promise ring in it where uh they were like kind of weird enough to be interesting to me but hooky enough to be kind of interesting to a mainstream audience but they potentially weren't like hooky enough to, you know, kind of cross into like brand new territory or even like, uh, you know, it's like when you were mentioning the stuff about um, kind of like the production, the production is above braid like a lot, but it's not produced in a way that even like when I listen to Thursday or thrice now, like there's a different production style that was, popular at that time that they weren't doing I mean, yeah i also i don't i mean i feel like that was a going all in type thing it's just like some of those bands like thrice like by the time they got like those budgets it was like people love thrice like thrice was about to put like the artists in the ambulance yeah. and then like you saw bands like boys night out get like those the big money and put out like something like train wreck yeah just like a lot of the older stuff is like still sounds really good don't know if it was the same budget these other people could have worked with and like obviously their tours weren't the same like because by the time he mercedes was popping up this is like coed and cambria on this like first big lp not like second stage turbine blade and like everyone was fighting to get on those like type of shows like dashboard confessional take action tour and like hey mercedes might be like the opening band or like one line drawing or like, and those bands were like always on the precipice of like getting into the bigger echelon, but just like kind of just stayed in like that, like mid-level kind of kept going. No, I feel like uh, even kind of, it makes me think of like Superchunk again. Superchunk kind of had that same trajectory. Like it's funny to think about them as an older band where it's like, I don't know how much older Mac is than like Bob Nam, you know, like, if Mac is like 52, I don't even think he's that old. Sorry, Mac. Like, let's say he's 52. And if, if fucking Bob Nana's 48, it's like, that's not that much of a difference, you know? But it was like a generational difference at that point. 
And so I think like some of the things that hey Mercedes were trying to achieve were potentially the same place that like super chunk were doing around the same time, but almost viewed as a different generation. Like for example, there's like a tour, I think where I think super chunk was headlining over get up kids. And then eventually they either had to swap it, you know, it's like, they just had to be like, get up kids is the next generation. We're the old guys, you know, and Hey Mercedes were probably doing that with, they had been around, but people were not having these old guys. So it's like, they might open for boys night out, which is just like, or whoever it was at the time. And to me, my brain, I'm just like, that's fucked up. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's just how it is. Yeah. Sometimes. And, and honestly, I think in those scenarios, it's better to secede and just be like, yeah, y'all headline because if nothing else, you know that you'll get some of these new younger kids who are here for them to at least catch your set of stuff that maybe is you know, older than the headlining band, but at least you get to open yourself up to a new audience. And like, instead of hoping that they stay after they came for like the current, like new big thing. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like as a kid though, it's like, I would have, stayed for the whole time no matter like who was playing you know so to think about stories where people are like uh you know they were watching us and couldn't care you know or just like even leaving before it's like i didn't have the money to do that (laughs) well we're also from a different era like when i first started going to shows like i didn't have a cell phone i had a beeper (laughs) (laughs) like if I if I got a ride somewhere or like I got a ride with my friends somewhere from like a parent or like even public transportation, it's like we didn't have cars, so it was like, oh, we told them to pick us up at this time. We're gonna sit here for this whole thing because that's what time we told them to pick us up. Yeah. Like it was just like that's a big difference between like now. It's just like, oh hey, uh, could you come get me now? Like it's just, <laughs> like. <clears throat> You just text a parent, like if you're getting a ride from the parent, or if like your friend drove, like you can leave with them. Like I didn't have that luxury for most of the first couple of years of, of going to shows. Like I was at the whim of public trans or whatever time whoever's parents said that they would come pick us up. So it was just like, <clears throat> yeah, it was. So I had band, like left earlier anyway. Yeah, it was either. It always felt like it was like either one of us were going to have to leave early because of curfew or we were staying to like help everyone sleep at the end of the night. Because if you didn't like, if you didn't plan it properly, then you're just staying there for, you know, it's like, it felt like when I was like a kid, like waiting for like my parents to pick me up at school, it's like, you know, I can't really call anybody. So I'm just here till I'm here. You know, that's like how it was at that point. Yeah. <laughs> You were there until an unreasonably long amount of time, and then you had to like go somewhere to like find a way to call or beep your parent <laughs> or like whatever it was. Yeah, just like go back and like uh, I remember so many times like trying to go back in like the school and like the doors are locked, and then like man, I hope they come soon. You know, <laughs> yeah. I hope everything's okay. Like, oh, shit. <laughs> oh man, but um, yeah, so. Well, you were also mentioning that you, I, I've listened to Loses Control a good amount, but I don't feel like for some reason it doesn't stick with me the same way like Every Night Fireworks does, but it seems like they're kind of like, it's like just a direct sequel and you appreciate both of them. I, with Loses Control, it's, 
it's definitely less upbeat sounding than Every Night Fireworks, but I think some of the songs on uh, on that record hold up just as well as Every Night Fireworks. Like, Quality Revenge at Last, great song, like, great opener. Like, they continuing with their whole thing with, like, really solid openers. Knowing When to Stop and Boy to Shores, I think, are really great, like, one-two hit on that album, which is, like, tracks four and five. Unorchestrated has the same feeling as Quit. Yeah. Okay. And, like, it's like, that, like, slow kind of dirge. Mm-hmm. And I, I like a lot of the songs as much. I just don't... So whereas I would listen to Every Night Fireworks, like, it's got the windows open, it's spring, like, I'm enjoying myself. I would just easily put on, like, this record, like, that evening, like, sitting around at the house, like, on my porch, like, kind of just, like, chilling out. Like, I think that, like, they both hit just for two different, like, uh, feelings. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I get that. And um, do you feel like, like, I, as much as I like Every Night Fireworks, this will be, I guess, the point where, uh, I'll criticize it some. There are super strong songs on this, and the there are songs that it's like there's not a bad song on it, but there's some really good songs. Like, and that's like that's where it's like it's almost like a sequel or something. People will be like, "Oh well, you know, Terminator Three wasn't as good as Terminator Two, but it's like Terminator Two is the best movie ever made, so you can't really, you know, it's like some of these songs are like amazing songs. Weird comparison, I guess. This is the Terminator Two of uh, you know, but it's like frowning of a lifetime or like, you know, uh, 11 to your seven and, or we can start, uh, starts on Wednesday, uh, bangers, like just straight up, you know, and the other, there's some, there's some other like just amazing songs. I don't know if which ones are kind of like ones that stand out to you. Um, so let's go blues. Uh, that obviously is because of how I got into them. That is to this day top five favorite song of mine. I'll always love it. Whenever I hear it, I just like have an instant like re- emotional reaction, and I usually like just have like a big smile and like let it go. Um, Finding of a lifetime, loving to your seven, uh, having been this happy. All some songs I really love. Quit. There's like so if this record is eleven songs. There's seven songs that like could play them any given time, won't skip a thing. There's some songs that, like, I don't love as much, but I still, like, I wouldn't, I maybe wouldn't start off by just putting on, like, every turn or, like, A-list actress, per se. Like, I won't be like, oh, yeah, I got to start listening with that. But I still think they're good. If I had to rate it, even though it is one of my favorite records, I still would probably be like... Eight out of ten, eight and a half out of ten. I'm not gonna say it's ten out of ten perfect record. Every song is a goddamn banger. Although I do enjoy the songs, all of them. I love it as a cohesive record, no question. I wonder what how it would have been received if they would have kind of pushed all those ones that are like pure singles to the top. Like people do that a lot. There are straight up like very top heavy records, and it could have been one of those, but. I think it makes it, it's like weirdly, I'm almost contradicting myself. I think it makes it a stronger record for them to sequence those in the middle with the bangers because you stick people around because you would have a bunch of people that just listen to four songs and then I'm out. It's got more than four bangers, but. Yeah. I mean, that's honestly why I love listening to it in full because like even if there's part of something where I'm like, 
ah, it feels like a lull. I'm like, oh yeah, but the next song, yeah, yeah, I'll just I'll write it out. Like, just keep yeah, going. you know the next songs. I, so I think that is a smarter idea. Um, you know, but like it's you know it's you could make like the strongest like EP, and also just I feel like sometimes I have. I don't know. I guess it's just attention span. Like when a record goes over 35 minutes, I start looking at like, which one would I cut? <laughs> yeah, I definitely feel that. I, I don't, I think I maybe have been a part of like two records that have gone past 35 minutes in my life. Yeah. Like, um, I'm definitely a big thing about like short songs and like no fat. And it's like, keep going. Yeah. Keep going. I, I feel like I like a long song. It's like, if you, for some reason had a 15 minute long song on a record, I still don't want the record over 35 minutes. So it's like, I don't know what you're going to do with the rest of the time, but it's like, you know, I'll, I'll go with people on long songs, you know, but I just don't, you know, it's like when a record that's not like neurosis or anything specifically where I know I need to like strap in, you know, and get in for the ride. Uh, I'm looking to get out of like after 35 minutes. Yeah. If a band releases a two-song record that's sixty minutes, is it still, is it a single, an EP, or an album? <laughs> well, I think there's a point where you have to just call it an LP when something's over like twenty-five minutes. You know? Yeah, but like technically, in my head, I'm like, it's no different than being like when a like a hardcore band puts out like a two-song single, like blah 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 by way of blah 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 like but i guess doom and things of that nature stoner metal they they get to go through different <laughs> worlds of like that's than anyone else yeah i <laughs> just like joyce like that's 12 minutes and everyone's like this is good <laughs> well that's the thing too like it's like uh well i guess like soul glow is kind of a good uh example too because like how long was your last record like your last like if you were to guess, uh, so you don't have to be probably, right, but probably probably like it couldn't have been more than like sixteen minutes, seventeen minutes at most. But it feels like a full document of what it needs to be. You know, like it doesn't feel like I feel like around this time, if if someone's record came out at twenty five minutes, the label would be like, and they had ten songs, the label would be like, you got to add like fifteen more minutes, and then you just get stinkers thrown on there that they write. Uh, and not like this record specifically. I feel like this is what they wanted to write. But certain records, it's kind of like, I think you had five songs, you know? But like with like, I, I, do you listen? There's a there's a Coke Bust LP, uh, the one that has like a cactus on it. And it's still, it's, it's a little older now. I mean, uh, but thinking about that one, I feel like it's still too long of a record. Which is funny to say with Coke Bust anything. That's, I was like, they're one of the fastest. Yeah, I'm going to look up how long, if that's on streaming. Uh, You're talking about lines in the sand. No, I want to, it'd be funny to see how long it actually is. Uh, it is 18. <laughs> oh, man. That's funny. I said that's too long. But. <laughs> It's it's a certain it's kind of a thing. It kind of depends on the context. Like if there was a, I'll I'll say Soul Glow, and I don't mean this as any disrespect, but if there was a Soul Glow record with uh, thirty songs on it, at some point, even if those thirty songs end up being thirty minutes, there's a point where I'm like, I I, I got to jump off. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, 
I think only the locusts have. Well, I mean, the locust most definitely is probably like the one band that I, the only band I can name for a fact. I'm like, oh yeah, I just listened to like 30 locust songs in one sitting, <laughs> and it yeah. it felt like a lot. But no, the time wise, it wasn't, and I still enjoyed it. But I was just like, I should have taken a break around track 14. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like Guided by Voices does that. Like it's like we know they're gonna do short songs, but they're still gonna try and fill up close to like 40 minutes. And I'm like you would have had a perfect guided by voices record if you cut that down to like let's say 12 songs and no matter what time length that is that's the time length that should be yeah yeah but we're been having this discussion recently because we're just like we wrote like some like 21 or 22 songs for like another record and we're just sitting there like we can't we're first like oh we're gonna put all of them on a record and then we were like maybe not like let's start like cutting this down and it's just been like i get why a band would want to put up 30 songs because it's like well we wrote 30 songs we obviously like all 30 songs because we wrote them let's throw it up and then sometimes you gotta be like they can go on to different things like it doesn't have to be this one like big like daunting thing yeah i mean i feel like i don't I feel like I've never been in a band that's uh, popular enough that I could sort of like force my will into being like put out all 25 songs. Like I know it's not going to happen. So you could be talking to a completely different person. If my bands were more successful, I could just be a tyrant and be like, this is going to be a double album. And I mean, you, you won't be, you won't know how they'll react until you do it. <laughs> I don't, I'm going to say they won't like it. Um, but you know, but yeah i mean i get the impulse of why you would want to um but i think you know it's like we you know may, uh, maybe this record like maybe this hey mercedes record would have been a perfect record at like 38 minutes i think it's hard like records that have been out for so long um, like hard for me to be like would this have been a better record minus these three songs are like there have been records where I've like resequenced them and I'm like, I like this better this way than like the original way. Like then there were like screamo bands. Like my friend, uh, my friends are in a band called Ostraka. I love their band. We've known them for a while. They have one record where someone suggested play the f- last three songs first and then play the first three songs like as the last three tracks. And I was like, all right. And then I was like, Damn, this actually has a much different feel. And I love this, like in this order. And I'm like, not saying that their order was wrong. It's just like, I guess for like the mood I was in, I was like, yeah, this this is the way. It's funny. I've never like actually done that. I feel like I'm talking about doing that, but I've never like gone through the effort of actually doing it. But I did have a friend that sent me, I guess like a resequence, and they took out some songs of like, uh, oh, they took Use Your Illusion one and two and made it one record. And I was like, because he was like, I'm going to prove to you that they had a good record in there. And I'm like, (laughs) sure, man, I'll listen to it. But I don't know why you spent your time doing this. Yeah. But how do you feel about it, though? I liked it a lot more. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, this is one record, you know? Like, this should not have been two records. Like, yeah. It's weird. Public opinion is definitely like, 
it's very easy for for people like I guess all of us to be like this is how this should have been because we don't have any stake in it like there's no like emotional stake of like writing figuring it out like arguing with somebody about track listing like it's very easy to, when you're removed to be like this is how it should have been done and like those even if it does sound good you could probably look at one and they just be like you know what where were you 20 years ago when we were recording that yeah that is where it's like it's like and it's not really the same at all but it's like if someone tells me um they're like i just gotta say i really liked your older band and i'm just like cool but you weren't at those shows so like fuck you you know it's like this is what i'm doing now so if someone told me like i think if you took uh track two and moved it to track eight i'd be like i want to fight you you know like i don't like i don't you know i don't think i'd want it so i'm doing it and it's funny but what i feel like i end up doing for it more and it's funny i have a music podcast but i find myself wanting to do that to movies so much more like every time um I mean, I love his movies, but every time I watch a new Spike Lee movie, I'm like, I can edit that out. You know, it's like, it's like so many Spike Lee movies. Like, have you seen uh, Miracle at St. Anna? Basically any kind of war movie. It's like, you know, it's, there's a point where like directors, you can even say the same with like musicians where if they don't get told no at some point, they'll keep going and building it and adding more like Quentin Tarantino or, you know, so, you know, I guess to that degree, Bob Nana never got to be that. So maybe that's good, you know, but, you know, it's like, uh, like Spike Lee, someone needs to tell no a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. Uh, it's funny you say that. Um, you ever heard of Criteria, the band yeah. Criteria or Criterion Guard? Uh, I know so, Criteria, the band. So they they originally were called Criteria and Guard. Don't oh, know okay. why, but they ended up on the first record and Guard. Um, but there's last the second record they put out <laughs> was called uh, Prevent the World, and literally the first song is like him kind of like pleading his case as to why everyone should like back this band up and give him money because that way he can like do things correctly and like show the world. It was this whole big thing. And reading that, I was just like, man, not to be rude to this person because like, I don't know what he's been through. Like he's had a life, you know, original singer cursive, like he's got a law degree now, but this song makes me not want to give you my money. I'm a little scared of what you would have done had I given you like, yeah. <laughs> like you've gotten full power. <laughs> like I will change all this. It's like, calm down, bro. Yeah, you can't you can't lead a you can't really put that into a record. Like that's a weird space to be in. Um, you know, there's like a little bit of humility. Um, but I, I think about it, and I don't know if there's almost like a lane. Like I think about that style of music, like Criteria, or even onto uh, like Engine Down, and uh, all that stuff from like. I feel like a lot of that style is almost like forgotten unless you're like over a certain age like i don't feel like a bunch of kids are discovering criteria or engine down and we're just sad about it <laughs> i mean at least the one dude from engine down is getting money he's been an app to drive in <laughs> yeah 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 like, <laughs> yeah or even like sparta you know that's the same kind of thing you know it's like i I don't, I, you know, I wish that was like, I would be okay if that was like 
instead of everything being like American football, if sort of like post-hardcore emo adjacent kind of things, like can that start getting ripped off? I'd be cool with that, you know? And I think like, hey, Mercedes doesn't not fit into it because I feel like they fit in with like burning airlines and stuff like that. Yeah. I, I thought we're burning airlines heavily. <laughs> yeah, and they're, they're really similar. And I didn't mention it off the top, but like this is produced by Jay Robbins, this record, um, you know, from Jawbox and Burning Airlines. And it's like they went to the right guy for this record. Yeah. I mean, that guy really, he's still killing it today. Like, he's hes never stopped, like, producing things that sound really great and natural and, like, big. <laughs> Did you hear the newest Casket Lottery record? I've heard, I've heard, a, couple, I've heard a couple of tracks. I was, I was really happy to see that they're, like, still, they're back and going hard. Just uh, when you, like, if you re- revisit it, just revisit it for the sake of, like, listen to the bass tone on that record it's like that's like that pays off more like if you're like you know i I liked it okay you know it was good but it's like the way that record is produced it's like peak jay robbins yeah yeah i mean all of his bands always had really good bass tone yeah like i I think about burning airlines and that track flood of foreign capital it's like boom boom like it's just like this really thick like almost mid-range that sounds like it sits in a mix perfectly yeah oh, he was at one of the big players yeah i we haven't had the pleasure of recording with him it was almost like we almost resisted recording with jay robbins because we thought that we would just kind of like nerd out too much with them and like waste a lot of time um because we're like everyone in my band is like a pretty big like Jawbox and burning airlines fan so it's like i don't we might just stare at the guy and i'm like friendly with him and i've chatted with him but it's like dude i don't want to waste your time or you like i don't want to make it weird <laughs> like and so we just went we just basically went with someone else who's a good producer because i was like i don't i don't know i might be too weird like yeah but you regret it uh, not necessarily because I like the guy that we picked, but it's like at one point, the way I look at it is like at one point in my life, um, before this world explodes, I want to record with Jay Robbins. Like, and I, you, y'all haven't, have you? Nah, we, shit, man, the one we just were about to put out, our bass is recorded. <laughs> I mean, it sounds We've actually good, gone so, back. We yeah. got mixed by Jack Shelley, but... Yeah, we haven't gone to anyone uh, super noteworthy ever. Yeah, I mean, it's hard because it's like, it's like I could go, I could do like Jay Robbins podcast in terms of like producing and whatnot. But, you know, it's like, it's like there are so many people, like if you say Jack Shirley, it's like, yes, I'd love to do something with him. And, and so it's hard sometimes. It's like there's so many great names you can, you can pick. But, you know, it's like at one point in my life, you know, if it's just like a song, it's like I want too because he's that great at doing that yeah people like that i feel like i'd want to do a single just to see how like it felt and like see how ridiculous it is and then like from there because like one song is enough time where you shouldn't have enough time to like punish them but also like you can still get like the feel of everything because it's like it's going to be short (laughs) 
Yeah, we were big... we were talking about doing it's like um my other band, we were talking about recording with him uh for an EP we have coming up because we're like you know like four songs. Like it's like you know, and he's not that he's not really more expensive than anyone else. I mean, outside of you know, your bandmate recording you. Um, but it's like he, you know, he's not that expensive and he works really quick. And so it's like, I might get to do it, but yeah, it's like, I, I, I like that idea of just doing like an EP with him. I think he did a great job on this record and so many other records that we could just like name forever. Yeah. So, you did yeah. several episodes of this is records. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do appreciate you taking the time to talk to me, I guess, before I let you go. Uh, you know, when, so if you want to talk about like the new record that's coming out, I guess this coming Friday on the date that we record it, um, you know, so. Uh, I'm fairly nervous about it. Uh, it's been, it's been a wild couple of years uh, in and out of just like things that have happened. But uh, when we picked these five songs, it's kind of like, have some fun with it was just uh, kind of something just kind of like see how it goes like try something like we've been we've been with the same like small label for a while and like shout outs SRA for it but uh yeah we, first record we just have like a full rap song on it with our good friend DJ Archangel from Richmond uh she does a verse we tried like put some horns on it. Friends from like Teenage Halloween and uh, Aaron West and Roaring Twenties and a couple other friends from Jersey. Um, you know, it's just it was it was a fun experience to like just kind of throw some things together, give a fun little homage to Have Heart in the name, which like someone thought we had beef and it was just like that's way too much stuff to do just to like be like ah we don't like you people we've never met. <laughs> um, but yeah, Jeremy Bohm's been a great help. He's been very easy to work with about all this. Been very appreciative. I just hope that uh, people like it. And if not, uh, you know, we tried and we liked it. So either way, you know, no love lost. Just, you know, trying to get some catharsis out while everything else is on fire. Um, where can people, like, find you online? We are at Twitter and Instagram, uh, Solo PHL. Um, we're on Spotify, uh, Bandcamp. It's all pretty much the same. Glow, GLO, no W. <laughs> Just yeah. in case people get that part confused. <laughs> um, yeah, we have a SoundCloud that has like some loose singles on it, some random covers. Um, yeah, it's all under the same name. Yeah, and well, as you were saying, I, it might have been before we started recording. I can't remember. Maybe people should listen to your SoundCloud because there might be stuff that uh, has been put up that you know people want. It hasn't been advertised, but you know. <laughs> yeah. If you want to hear a very cover of Red Sea's "Pressures On" with the lyrics "To Slob on My Knob" by Three Six Mafia, you should probably go to the SoundCloud. <laughs> I'll, I'll probably go listen to that after uh, this is done. Um, I, I'm a big fan of your band. Um, I'm excited about the EP coming out. Um, I'm excited that even just to see like, you know, the pressings of it, like sell out, you know, and kind of like a, uh, it feels like a bigger platform in terms of like being able to be distributed in part by Death Wish and 
everything. It's it's something I feel like you all deserve with all the work and time and all the kind of backing shit that your band has had to deal with. Um, you know, but it's like, so yeah, I, I hope people listen. And also I think that they will because the singles I've heard are really great, you know, so. Thank you. That means a lot. It has been a very uh, ridiculous six and a half years being in this band. Yeah. And at some other point, maybe we'll talk about the other record that we were going to mention. Um, Q and not you, we were going to talk about what album? No Kill, No Beep Beep. That is one of, oh, it's so good. I feel like it's like, man, and we were talking about it, but I love Hey Mercedes, but, you know, it's like, ah, damn. It's just like, that record's like just as good too. And I feel like it's a record that I feel like I hear even less people talk about, at least in the circles that I run in. Uh, and maybe I just need better friends. You know? I mean, even, even the people I know who like you and not you, uh, they never talk, they don't really talk about that record. It's the only record. Well, the only full length with their, with a bass player. And I think that the bass player was so vital to that band and that one recording. Cause like, that's why the feel of that record was there. The two dissonant guitars and the bass and drums just hold it down, like kind of funky and like cohesive. Are you stuck at home and need new records, but it doesn't feel safe to venture out or you don't want to support big box stores? Go to lunchboxrecords.com for the best new releases and a whole lot more. If you live in Charlotte, North Carolina, you can do safe pickup. But if you live elsewhere in the United States, they'd be happy to ship to you. At checkout, just enter discount code SPINNINGOUT for 10% off. Come on, you love new music, so trust me, it's easy. Welcome back. Thanks again to Ruben Polo, and please check out the new Soul Glow EP. Next week, we're talking to Katie Malko. Katie released Failures on June 5th, 2020 on 6131 Records. It's a great record. Dare I say, it's an amazing record. We're chatting about Frightened Rabbit's 2010 album, The Winter of Mixed Drinks. So, like I mentioned at the top, we have a brand new Patreon. So go to patreon.com slash spinningoutpod. As low as $1 a month, or $3 a month, or even $5, or why not 20 So just check it out. We're still working out the kinks. Going to do a lot of premium episodes, drop episodes early, and hopefully eventually some exclusive merch. Honestly, I'd love to give you more content and be able to afford to do so. So check it out. On top of that, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. And also check us out on Instagram and Twitter. Give us a follow there. And last but not least, thanks to Sarah Blumenthal for editing the pod and keeping me organized. Thanks to Pretty Maddie for the theme. So on that note, hit the theme!